714, Lundy Graw 2023. Weather's going to be great. No rain at all. Low foggy start this morning. Then humidity returns. Highs of 76. Well, it's humid outside right now. As a matter of fact, highs of 80 tomorrow. Spring-like for Mardi Gras. Not quite the warmest Mardi Gras on record, but close. Wednesday, highs of 82 for Ash Wednesday. Record heat on Thursday. Maybe highs of 84. Then 78 Friday. 80 on Saturday. And 82 on Sunday. So get out and enjoy it. At least you don't have to worry about any rain or cold or anything like that. Right now we're hanging at about, oh, 60 degrees if you average your temperatures in the area. And last week we were talking about the suit that was filed by the Nolatoya campaign. Laura Canazaro, attorney for the Nolatoya campaign, joins us now to help kind of talk us through it. Good morning, attorney. Uh, co- attorney. Counselor, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How about you? Oh, you're an attorney. I guess but counselor seems a lot better to address you that way. Um, so tell me about the law and what the law says, and from there we'll go to where you see the variance and why, why, uh, why rather, the suit was filed. Okay. So basically what the the suit is, it's called a writ of mandamus. And what that means is it's an illegal filing requiring um, a state official to do their job. Essentially, we're asking the judge to order the secretary of state and the registrar of voters for Orleans Parish to do their job. And what happened was as the recall effort was going about as they started canvassing and sending out flyers, they started to realize that many people who were listed as active registered voters in Orleans Parish were not. They had either moved, they had died, or some people were getting, you know, like three mailers to one address for three different names for people who used to live there. So let me jump in for a second, Laura. That's how it was revealed, right? Through the mailers? Correct. That's what I figured. Okay. That's what's happening. Yeah, the, they're just going out and getting mailers back, and people are calling and texting and saying, you know, I, they sent pictures. They've posted them to their social media of just one person getting five different ones at their one address. Mm-hmm. So they started to kind of dig around. Now, remember, at the beginning of the filing of the recall petition, the Secretary of State was required to give them an accurate number of registered voters in Orleans Parish active registered voters. So that never happened. So what the recall based their initial number off of was the Secretary of State's website. So they just went to the website and found the number of active voters in Orleans Parish and used that to figure out what 20% was and how many signatures they needed. So they're using that number and starting to realize something's off. So they hired a company that's well known to be used for elections and things like that to figure out, you know, who to send mailers to and where are your chronic voters and those sorts of things. The company used their database that also is used by the Secretary of State. Basically, anybody can plug in or get access. You can pay to get access to some of these databases. Um, and their database alerted them to several categories that were dramatically off by like thousands of people. So this petition really focuses on the three easiest categories, because there are some other ones where we see things that don't look right either, but these categories are very basic. So one of them is if you have moved out of Orleans Parish, but within the state of Louisiana, that's one category where we found, I think it was 1,100, and let me go to the actual petition to get the number. We found... Um, 9,084 people who had moved to a different parish outside of Orleans Parish. In addition to that, the second category, there were 21,436 people who had moved out of the state of Louisiana, 
And these people are all still listed as active registered voters in Orleans Parish. And then there were about almost 550 people who we identified as dead and that were still listed as active registered voters. So those are the categories we used to sort of simplify the petition and pulled out specific examples. So you can see, you know, in the petition, we wanted to make it clear that some of these people, this database goes back to about 35 years. Some of these people moved in the 90s. They moved out of state in the 90s, and they're still listed as active registered voters. Some of them haven't voted since 1991, over 30 years ago. Some of the people, Ms. Babin, would be 107 years old today if she was alive, still listed as an active registered voter. She died over 10 years ago. Um, Ms. Tortorich would be 101 years old today. Um, she passed away over 10 years ago as well. She passed away about 15 years ago. We have the obituaries for all these people. So these are just examples and of the people who have died, who have moved. And then we had a whole category of over 1,000 or so people whose addresses are now listed as vacant lock or undeliverable mail in Orleans Parish, but they are still considered active registered voters. So obviously when you get when you start to add all those up, you're at almost 30,000 people who we're having to use as a number or included in that number that we need 20% of. So obviously it makes a big difference if they would clean up the roles and make sure that active versus inactive are accurate numbers for Orleans Parish. I know a lot of people, when they hear this, they're going to think, well, my gosh, does that mean dead people were voting? That's not an argument that you can uh, pursue at this time. That's not for you to, to dig into at this time. This is all about why are they on the rolls, correct? Correct. And, I, you know, I think maybe that'll be at a later time and somebody can sort of grab the ball and go from there to see. Um, we didn't look for that data. We didn't try to find out if these dead people did vote or when's the last time they were listed. As having voted, we had no accurate data on any of that. All we need for purposes of this petition is an accurate number of active registered voters. And let me say this. Since we filed the petition, we're getting tons of text messages, emails, sending us examples. My grandmother has been on the rolls. She died 10 years ago. I'm still on the rolls. I moved away 15 years ago. I mean, we're just getting flooded with this information. People who work at the polling places saying, we have a nursing home within our region for our polling area where you vote, and we know that half the people on the rolls that we see are dead. You know, so it just seems to be a much bigger problem than we ever even anticipated when we filed the petition. It's clearly, um, you know, been going on for many, many years now. The things you uncover when you start digging. Let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. Okay. We come back. Laura Canazero, attorney for the Little LaToya campaign. We'll talk about the timing of all of this when we come back. 721 time for traffic, WWL. 724, talking to Laura Canazero, attorney for No LaToya campaign. So, Laura, you found how many, as it stands now, signatures or, or people that should not be on the rolls? About 30,000. Is that a round number to use? Yes. Okay. That's the round number. Which changes the percentage of signatures that you need or the total numbers by how many? About six or 7,000. And Which that's just this bare minimum number. Right. So what happens now, court-wise, time-wise, I know I talked to J.P. Morell on Friday, and I've been trying to get different advice from attorneys on mm -hmm. what who can sign up in between when. And uh, so the hearings will be five days from Ash Wednesday, but I think J.P. told me that even though you have to turn the signatures in by Ash Wednesday, people can still sign up to five days after? 
there is a period of time that they apparently you can either take your name off or add your name to the list within five days after. Um, I do think I don't I don't know that you'll see some huge effort to get signatures in the five days after. I think they're making the push now. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to feel comfortable submitting the signatures on Wednesday. So I, I would look to see. I would look to Wednesday to see when they bring all the signatures in. I think I think they're feeling pretty confident that they're going to hit their number. Is the burden of proof on you to prove that they didn't do their job or on the Secretary of State and the registrar to prove that they did do their jobs? Essentially, we have to lay out evidence why they're why we believe that they should be ordered to do their job or their failure to do their job. And they will then be able to present evidence to show, no, I was doing my job. And this is essentially they would have to show those mailers that they're required to mail out when somebody has changed their address. Now, they're only required to keep those on record for two years. And remember, some of these people moved 15 years ago. So it's going to be very difficult for them to show that they have, in fact, been performing their duties as required under the law. And it's, I think it's going to be fairly easy for us to show where there are glaring, there's glaring evidence that they have not. And, you know, remember, the first, the first duty was the Secretary of State to provide an accurate number to the recall effort. Had that happened in the beginning, you know, then we wouldn't have had to sort of get a company to come in and dig through all the numbers. I mean, ultimately, thank goodness we did, because now we've uncovered all of this. Well, thank goodness you had the resources, um, right? Exactly. And that's really, I mean, it's unfortunate that that's what it requires. You know, it really took people coming in, business people, um, and there's, a, a you know, one or two in particular who really were just hell-bent on making a difference here, and they have really done that. You know, they will write the history books on this one, because they they put in the money that was needed to uncover all of this to hire companies and hire people to canvas and put out social media and commercials and flyers and just determined to save the city really um so what happens now uh walk me through the process what would you like to see and then what's likely to happen after that so i would expect like i said um wednesday we will see them deliver the signatures um, to the registrar, and then the certification process begins of certifying all of the signatures. And they have like a 20-day period, which I, I think will be very difficult for them to complete absent getting some outside help of certifying the signatures. And the recall effort is allowed to be present for that. So they can have people there making sure that there's no foul play in the certification of the signatures. In the meantime, you know, our petition we don't want this petition to be any delay in the process. So what we want is we want them to be counting and getting the voter roll active and accurate at the same time, because we don't want somebody to say, we don't want them to come in and say, Oh, it'll take us six months to a year to clean this up. And then we'll start counting your numbers. Right. You know, that's not fair to the recall effort. So we'd like for those to happen sort of simultaneously. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to happen. So, um, that's what we're hoping to see, the signatures delivered Wednesday and a process to begin where they start to get an accurate or as accurate as possible under the time constraints here of a number to use to determine if we've met that 20 percent. Either so way, I, I, I don't know why the Secretary of State's office wouldn't start doing that, because e either way, no matter what the number is, they can start verifying signatures, right, in times of the essence? Correct. Well, that's what we're saying. You know, you should start that process now. But, look, they have to clean up. 
this the active list regardless. Right. I mean, it's it's clearly that is going to have to happen. We just don't want them to come in and say, oh, it's going to take us 6, 10, 12 months, whatever. They should start counting now and doing the uh, and start verifying some of these addresses that we have provided to them. And we only have a second left here, but I'm figuring, okay, so the Secretary of State's going to verify the signature, and they say Tommy Tucker, then they look and say, oh, wait, Tommy Tucker's dead. That signature doesn't count. Well, the, the good thing is, and again, it comes down to the resources, that the recall effort has actually vetted their own signatures much better than the Secretary of State. I that process has already been in place for the recall. They're vetting their own signatures before they turn them in. So I don't expect to see – we're not going to have dead people signing. So, uh, you know, I think the problem that they're going to have is that total number needs to be dropped. So that, you know, that 20 percent, we easily have that 20 percent and there's a buffer there. That's Tom, kind of where we're heading. And the clock is ticking, Laura. What about um, appeals and, and the likelihood of that just dragging on? Because time is in the favor of those that are against the recall. Correct. I think that, you know, there, I will say this. The recall effort is not going to be in favor of any delay. They're going to push hard against that. So, you know, I'm sure the mayor would love a delay and she'll push for it. But. I don't think anybody in the recall effort is going to lay down and take that. So I think there will be a battle to move things quickly. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your time. Happy Mardi Gras, okay? Thank you. You too. Laura Canazero, attorney for No Latoya campaign. Uh, Dave will talk.